Welcome to another edition of Crypto Christ Podcast, man. I'm your host, Yuri Kamasla Ket. Guys, I'm going straight in today because my time is limited. Duan, thank you, man. Yes, I agree with you. I am blessed to, to be able to see. Uh, Karsten, keep studying. Huh? Uh, and you can't be giving me no big words, man. Autodidactic. Bro, you on the late show. I've been know about that word. Autodidactic. That means self-taught. Matt, keep me posted, man. Just keep me posted, man, and uh, tell everybody where you are there on the Upper Robertson unit uh, that I send my love. Genuine. <laughs> Not genuine. A.K.A. A- Jason Williams, man, I got it, bro uh, And I'll use it in uh, one of the upcoming shows, man Some of your material uh, You'll hear it, bro Just be patient with me Rubber Charles, man, congratulations uh, On meeting the lady um, You know, God, man I mean, God will do what he do You know what I'm saying? God, God will do what he do uh, I think that he, uh, uh, the young man sees in you what his mama needs Right, and and I agree with you though. Though you know, you got to get yourself together. Uh, shout out from uh, uh, Robert Hines to the Hamilton Unit B three Unit B three. So y- y- y'all hear me, Hamilton Unit B three. Sending you a shout out for Robert Hines, man. Kenneth Foster, man, thank you, brother Foster, thank you, and congratulations on release from the ALU, man. Finally, it paid off. Uh, don't never give up, man, guys, and those of you that are in L- ALU. Uh, on Cofield, man, man, don't give up, man. Y'all keep going, man. Lacey, yes, sir. I love you, and I will continue to do so. I'm, I'm gonna tell people about Jesus, man. I don't care if they like it or not. I ain't trying to hear it, right? Uh, Brother Larry in Arkansas, ORCU unit. Your parole denial. Listen to me. Your parole denial allows God to do another work with you and others, bro. All right. Uh, the mail room, three-page rule, man. When was that initiated, man? Y'all, I mean, I, you're gonna have to do some intel on that. Uh, I mean, if y'all have a three-page rule coming in from outside, well, the outside entities need to know that there's a three-page rule. You understand what I'm saying? For those of y'all uh, who are not in Arkansas, Arkansas has a deal where the mail room where you can't get nothing over over three pages, and that's madness. You know what I'm saying? So, but here's the deal. I mean, I ain't got no power to do nothing about it. But what needs to happen is entities on the outside, they need to know that, man. So, like, halfway houses and stuff like that, applications, man, they need to know that. That you can't send nothing past three three, three pages. You know what I'm saying? Um, let me turn this down. Brother Rasheem Stewart in Florida. Rasheem Stewart in Florida, thank you, brother, for your kind words and encouragement. Uh, I've had no doubt. Because I've seen too much of his work in my life and others, bro. Uh, I've seen too much. Of, I've seen the Lord work, bro. So, man, I, man, I've had no, ain't no doubts. You know what I'm saying? When you see the Lord moving and working in your life and working in other people's lives, man, there ain't no doubt. Uh, you asked about my favorite, one of my favorite songs of gospel. Man, I got too many to the list, but right now I'm digging. It's, it's, a, it's a young man named Jonathan McReynolds. And the name of the song is God is Good. Say this boy, he be singing, man. It's called God is Good and about Jonathan McReynolds. Uh, Omar, Omar, Leon said that he did what he did ministering in you because <laughs> that's what Jesus said to do. Uh, and he felt like uh, that not, nobody is is worthless. You know what I'm saying? No, Nobody. Um, Cantu got to stay. Brother Cantu, man, God bless you, man. Uh, my boy. 
uh, went down, Brother Montana went down to uh, uh, Polunsky and got, had the opportunity to go in and get him boys some pizza and some, some soda and, man, stretched him out real good, man, down on the Polunsky unit in Texas on Life Row. Uh, man, thank you, Montana, for your service, bro. He trying to get me to go with him, man. I can't wait. It's going down, man. Imagine that. Imagine that, man. Man, God, look, look at what God is doing. Allow me to go into into life row. We ain't gonna call it death row. Uh, and so that's coming up, man. But yeah, man, my brother Montana, Pastor Montana, uh, went down there, man, and uh, and uh, fed them boys, man. And uh, one one brother Cantu got to stay, and uh, just God is working. God is working, man. So it don't matter where you are. He's able to reach out to you, right? Uh, I'm going straight in because my time is limited and I want to read as much of this as I can. Uh, hopefully next week or, or, you know, next week program will finally be Nancy Sue, man. It's a whirlwind of activity. Let me tell you something. I want y'all to look up the prayer of J-Bass. I might have said this before. Man, look here. If, brother, if y'all are sisters and brothers in the faith, what's up, ladies? I'm talking to y'all, too. If you in the faith. And you learn about the prayer of Jabez and you pray that prayer. You better be ready. Man, I prayed that prayer in the penitentiary and I prayed that prayer out here. <laughs> man, look here, man, this man, this man, I got to go speak over here and over there. And I got man, God is opening doors uh, to 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 uh, uh, spread the gospel straight up. Simple as that. So uh, that's why, man, I've been busy, man. I've been busy. So. I'm going to go straight in, man. So these next, this this is probably part one of uh, my dear brother, Grace and Favor by uh, Omar Sean Tillis. Um, this will probably be part one. And uh, and l- listen to me. Let me tell you something. First of all, man, how y'all doing, man? My name is Yuri Kamash Lakat. Man, this is Crypto Christ Podcast. You, listener, welcome. Welcome, family. We are all collectively the Crypto Christ Podcast family, man. We love you. Uh, uh, and I wish uh, always, every all, every day, all day, you know what I'm saying, 24-7, uh, uh, that you are well and that your families are well uh, and that you're preparing yourself for release. And if you and if you got to do a bid, then, then you do your bid to the best of your ability in Christ behind the walls. Uh, uh, and so uh, these next several shows, man, I want to, you know, various different shows, I want to start uh, highlighting because it ain't all about me. Yeah, it ain't all about Yuri. Yeah, Yuri, yeah, yeah. I got out the penitentiary, man, because Jesus, okay, changed my life. And I got out, and he's opening up these opportunities for me. But I want to I wanna show what God is doing in other people's lives. <laughs> yeah. So y'all send me a testimony. Yeah, send me a testimony so I can encourage the brothers and the sisters, man, all in 47 states listening to the podcast and, and overseas. Yeah, let's testify as to what the Lord has done straight up. And so uh, first is going to be my brother Omar. And then after that, I'm going to have some wise uh, words uh, uh, from another dear brother mentor of mine. Uh, And so uh, here we go, man. I'm going straight in. Watch this. Grace and favor by Omar Sean Tillis. This is this is beginning the the testimony series. Right. Part one. Carver Park Baptist Church sat on Lenox Street in McClendon County, Texas, commonly referred to as a Waco. My church attendance there was mandatory, conditioned upon my desire to go skating. And because I desired that nothing impede my opportunity to go skating, I even joined the choir. (laughs) 
got baptized, and was willing to volunteer my service in any other function. Reverend Robert L. Gilbert, our pastor, would preach as if he was on the verge of insanity, oftentimes humorous. Nevertheless, despite how I felt about his preaching, I would receive my reward Sunday night at Skate World, Skate Ring. (laughs) The glaring lights in the crowd would welcome my arrival. Although I was elated with the opportunity to fulfill my desires, I would enter performance because I knew people were watching, especially the young ladies. And under those glaring lights, it was my time to shine. Nothing and no one could dissuade me from experiencing this joy each Sunday night. Uh, So I thought eventually the cunning, slippery slopes of the streets would divert my attention with its bling, fancy clothes, flashy claws, blinging jewelry. And of course, I would need money in order to acquire these material things and in order to venture into this lifestyle of the streets successfully. I needed the tutelage of those educated in street life. Immediately, the older men arrested my attention. I hung to their every word on how to get money. The more I chased the material things in life, the more distant I became toward my mother. Suddenly, when I was 13, my rebellion seeped from my lips with volcanic thunder. Her threats to impede my desire for the streets simply would not be tolerated. My interest in school dwindled rapidly. I traded it for a full-time job, corner boy, especially when I learned the power of the tool, uh, also known as a strap. Relentless, invincible, the tool had me convinced. And to intensify my evil desires, I rocked the name Crooked Heart, given to me by my childhood friend, E. White. Eventually, I started jacking, or also known as robbing, big-time dope dealers for their money and drugs because I had graduated from purchasing double-ups in order to flip my money. This was it. This was the life, street life. But the embracing of street life would present something I never really taken into account. Jail. The thirst for violence seeped in with enormous force in 1993, which rewarded me with back-to-back attempted murder cases. The latter one frightened me. I had accidentally shot my friend, Jermaine Holly, a.k.a. Holly Boy, in the neck. My intentions was to shoot an individual I knew whom referred I knew whom referred to himself as 10. This got my attention. The tool had earned me multiple times a a jail cell. But now, racing through my thoughts with rapidity, it's over. I was not bound for prison for attempted murder that had the potential to turn to murder. Into the night I ran, fear as my companion, police, Desired my arrest. I ran faster. My heart pounded vivaciously. Fear influenced me to toss my gun. I had once considered myself as owning the corners I resided in, but now I was hiding in a dark corner of them, afraid of even my own shadow. My rebellious attitude 
turned my back on my mother. But now, mother had become the most important person in the world. I had just realized that I had made the streets more important than my dear mother. Sharon Tillis had pushed, had pushed in pain for the purpose of bringing me forth on December 22nd, 1974. As a single parent, she did all she could to instill discipline and respect in me and my two older sisters. Respect your elders with yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. I remember her saying she manifested great strength despite being left to raise her children without a male figure in the home. And despite my rebellious attitude, despite my multiple trips to the Texas Youth Commission, where I had been sent to Giddens, represented as a <laughs> baby prison, and multiple trips to Brownwood State School, she had never turned her back on me. And at the time, I was facing an attempted murder charge. She was right there, providing me more support, encouraging me to turn myself in. And I would, conditioned upon the opportunity to see Holly in order to assure he was all right. The sight of Holly was on the level of being horrid. I witnessed all types of tubes protruding from his body as tears streamed down my face. But he was conscious enough to seek persuading me to slow down. Sean, man, slow down. You need to slow down. You almost killed me. He said under the strain of his condition, I relayed that I would indeed. After mother and me entered her car, her anger was obvious. And she had a right to be because I was her son and she sought to reveal and make sure I understood my stupidity. When we arrived at the county jail, I turned myself in. Nevertheless, I was able to make bond. The lesson I should have learned didn't take root. Although I promised myself that I would never own another gun, I returned to the streets. <laughs> My money ain't right. I told myself. The only thing I was convinced I could do successfully was push drugs. During the summer of 1993, I was on what I considered as my grind. I was representing the clique of bleeding the block, but it missed my uh, it missed, but amidst my pushing attitude, this delicate flower entered my life with the fragrance of her beauty. The delectable smile she possessed captured my heart. Nellie Thomas, commonly known as Tishan, but her, the grips of the street commenced to release its hold on me. And although I wasn't interested, she would fill out job applications for me in order to pursue making a living legally. <laughs> but such effort to pursue legal employment wouldn't bring fast money to the table. And this uh, finding the job blues resounded a bad note, especially when considering my standing atop financial security. A job ain't no way that would... <laughs> Definitely hijacked my street style, especially during these times. Tashan's 19th birthday was fastly approaching. Although she was financially stable, I desired nothing more 
than to shower her with expensive gifts and surround her with family and friends to celebrate her special day. Albeit this was accomplished, I was left financially embarrassed at the commencement of the new year in 1994. Dead, wood, broke. Bills were due, and the manifestation of my financial detriment was on the horizon. Well, in order to circumvent the discovery of my predicament, <laughs> in order to assuage my grief, I devised an elaborate plan to hit a major lick. Suddenly, at the appearance of the individual to contribute to fulfilling my desires, Jesse stumbled upon the scene and he was definitely <laughs> out of place. He had showed up at the trap, uh, also known as a drug house, in the south of Waco. His disrespectful efforts to hustle on my turf would not be tolerated. He was from the east side of Waco. And besides, he was in relations with a south side young lady. No way. I hold it with a couple of partners of mine to convey the elaborate plan I devised regarding Jesse. Elation creased their faces. We knew his spot and soon visited the area, but was met by opposition, which reinforced my desire to see in that my plan come to fruition, revolving around Jesse. Despite the promise I made about possessing a strap, a gun, I desired to find one. But one of my partners alleviated my dilemma by revealing that he had his own. I commenced to coaching them as to the role they would play. But roadblocks would seek to impede our efforts. First, it was my mother. She looked at me strangely and expressed her concern about my appearance. Although I felt uncomfortable in her presence, I sought to affirm that everything was all right. Baby, you okay? Yes, ma'am. I lied. The turmoil of accomplishing my desires apparently wore on my demeanor. Next, it was the Waco police following us. The voices in my head were at war. This ain't good. The other one sought to relay that. You're broke and got a lot of people counting on you. My conclusion, I'm definitely not trying to hear that this ain't good. The time approached. The stage was set. But there was a glitch in production, circumstances had become disarrayed. This was definitely not a part of the script. Randy, oh no, Randy. My childhood friend lay on the floor of Jesse's spot, blood streaming from his head, emanating from a gunshot wound. Panic arrived on the scene with haste. My partner scattered, abandoning me to take the fall. I extracted my cell phone from my pocket in order to seek help for Randy. I provided the 911 dispatcher the address and even called 911 a second time as I didn't want Randy to die. Amidst this, it occurred to me that I needed to make my departure. But there was another voice to rise up within me relaying that you didn't shoot anyone and to relate to the authorities that you were the one to call 911. I wanted to believe, predicated upon that, that everything would be all right. But my previous experience 
with law enforcement conveyed that this would tumble downhill fast. And therefore, I ran. Although I was apprehended the next day, everything that wasn't supposed to happen, happened. But in actuality, it happened as I had been warned. Prior to this, I had a dream. Many faces I clearly seen, although I could hear no voices. The place, administrative segregation. Within the old county jail, commonly known as High Five. The dream meant nothing until I was actually sitting in the place I had merely dreamed about. Panic maintained, surrounded me with fright, especially at the realization that my destination had the potential to produce a death sentence for capital murder. Pastor Gilbert's sermons quickly took on new meaning. I could practically hear every sermon, every verse, and I commenced a call on the God my mother believed in and taught me about the God Pastor Gilbert preached about. Who else could I turn to? I I called on him. I cried out to him. God got me. I sought to convince myself. A present help in a time of trouble. And Lord knows I need him right now because I was in trouble. But the gavel of justice pounded in my ears. Guilty of capital murder. Hereby sentenced to life. 40 years of prison before I could ever be considered for parole. The faith I sought to embrace faltered. And along with it, an anger toward God aroused in me. Sentenced to life. Suddenly, I sought to deceive myself by coercing myself to believe that the judge didn't sentence me to what I had heard. But in actuality, it was settled. I had been taught that the truth will set you free. I was bound to the truth of my involvement because a childhood friend of mine was lying beneath the dirt. Because of me. I owed him the truth. But then. I quickly discovered that my efforts to convey the truth were primarily predicated upon my desire to escape the severity of that charge. And when it didn't happen, my finger was, in essence, pointed toward God out of my anger. It was his fault that I was under a sentence of life. This is part one. Of grace and favor by my dear brother and and friend Sean Omar Omar Sean Tillis. We will uh we're gonna get back into that next week. That's part one. At some point, I'll probably uh, do something real quick. Maybe next week, maybe a bonus. Grace and favor. (laughs) 
we hearing we hearing Omar's story what's yours and see you next week for part two grace and favor on Crypto Christ podcast